Welcome to the Empowered Modern Witches Show, where we share simple ways you can work with magic and astrology for your overall wellness and self-care. I'm your host, Tanae Stewart, the Witch of Loop and Hollow. I'm a practicing witch, a certified astrologer, and a published author, and I'm on a mission to help modern witches like you nourish your mind, body, and intuition so you can be your most magical self all day, every day. Hello, and welcome back to the Empowered Modern Witches Show. This is the show where we talk all things seasonal, lunar, cosmic, and magical self-care. Today, we're going to be talking with Nikki Vandekar, who's an absolutely legendary witchy author. Nikki and I are talking all about physical and energetic sacred space, coming out of the broom closet, and how to make your practice fit into your real daily life. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before we get started, just a little bit of magical housekeeping. First off, if you want my specific insights and guidance on the upcoming Yuletide season and the darkest part of the year before the winter solstice, which happens to be Sagittarius season, you're going to want to join us in the Starlight Coven, my seasonal sacred circle for modern witches like you who want to practice confidently and consistently with the sun, moon, and stars. The coven is filled with amazing, like-minded modern witches like you, where you'll find support, community, and form true friendships. Head over to witchoflupinhollow.com to get signed up for the coven today. Lastly, if you love the show, I would be so delighted if you could leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app so others can find us and discover their own empowered inner witch as well. Now let's dive into today's episode. All right. I am here today with Nikki Vandekar. Nikki is the author of 10 books on crafting and magic, including Practical Magic, Wellness Witch, and The Witchy Homestead. She loves the idea of returning to the old ways, working with her hands, and finding peace, joy, and comfort in creativity and intuition. Hello, Nikki. Thank you so much for being here. Hi. It's good to be here. Okay. So before we get into our full conversation today, I'm asking everyone this question and I would love to hear your answer. So the question is, how do you think that witchcraft can support our overall wellness and self-care? So it's so funny that you asked me that question because um, I was sent this poem this morning by uh, my dear friend who is sort of my coven member. And um, I'm actually just going to read it. (laughs) that's okay It's, it's only a few stanzas it's called her kind and it's by Anne Sexton I have gone out a possessed witch haunting the black air braver at night dreaming evil I have done my hitch over the plain houses light by light lonely thing 12 fingered out of mind a woman like that is not a woman quite I have been her kind I have found the warm caves in the woods filled them with skillets, carvings, shelves, closets, silks, innumerable goods, fixed the suppers for the worms and the elves, whining, rearranging the disaligned. A woman like that is misunderstood. I have been her kind. I have ridden in your cart, driver, waving my nude arms at villages going by, learning the last bright route survivor, where your flames still bite my thigh and my ribs crack where your wheels wind. A woman like that is not ashamed to die. I have been her kind. So that's kind of dark. (laughs) I love it though. That's so amazing. It's, I found it just so moving. And I guess where, where I am in, in my witchcraft and my interpretation of witchcraft seems to vary from day to day. Um, But 
right now with the full moon, I'm having horrific insomnia and that tends to make me um, very dark <laughs> and a little depressed. Um, but receiving this poem, even though it's, you know, calling out the ways in which women have been harmed and the ways in which uh, sort of our forms of witchcraft, however they've been interpreted by the patriarchy or, or whoever, have, um, you know, just have been harmful. There, there's a way in which it's still a, a coven where we're still just remembering and holding on to our ancestresses and um, what they have gone through. And I don't mean necessarily like, I don't know that anybody in my direct lineage was a witch, uh, probably not, but I have sort of womankind ancestresses, <laughs> people that I feel related to. Um, and I guess that's what I mean by witchcraft as self-care is looking at the magic, even when it's dark, because I am dark right now and holding the ways in which we hold each other through that. Yes. Oh my God. So good. So good. First of all, I love that you just like come in here with a poem, like, <laughs> like so fast. Hold up. I have a poem. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. Um, and yeah, I think that's such a really good point that like witchcraft as self-care is not like love and light bubble bath self. Not always. Right. And, and it can be, right. It can be, but I think that sometimes we think it's like either, or, you know, it's like either you're this like, you know, fluffy love and light, witch, or you're this like, you know, dark and mysterious person. And like, I think we're all, all of those things. And it's not really self-care if we're denying either side. Right. Absolutely. I've oh. been thinking a lot about shadow magic, um, and, the, the ways in which we can allow the darkness to be there and, and embrace it and look for the beauty in that. Definitely. Oh, so good. Okay. I know this is gonna be such a good episode. Such a good <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. So given all that, my books tend to be very love and light. <laughs> they're, they're very practical, um, very sort of um, welcoming to a witchcraft practice. Um, I, my craft is, I, I do a lot of sort of thinking about all of this stuff in the middle of the night. Um, but for the most part, my practice is I go and I make something or I go and I do something or I take a walk outside. And it's, it's very just sort of organic to daily life for me. I don't have a, like a ritual for me is not this big you know, sort of event of my day. It's a, it's like a 10 second thing or, you know, 15 minute thing at most that is just incorporated into the day. So my books tend to be sort of like, here are a lot of practices. They're all very like hands-on, here's what you can do to immediately make magic a part of your life. And then I try to encourage people to then, you know, take it and make it more personal to them and what works for them and explore a little more deeply. I love that so much. Like we're so aligned. <laughs> <It's> so funny. <laughs> I think that so often, like we read books or we read websites or Instagram or whatever. Right. And we feel like, oh, I'm supposed to do it this way. But really all of those resources are there to inspire us to think, what are all the different possibilities? What are all the different ways I could do this? 
yeah, yeah, I'm all about just helping people realize, I guess, that there is magic. I feel like I went through this period of my life when I was young, I was super like little fairy child bouncing around all the time. And then I grew up and went to college and moved to New York City. And New York City is magical in a lot of ways. Um, sort of cottage core though is not, <laughs> not very New York City. Um, and I kind of lost my, I, I lost that sense of magic for a long time. And it was hard and it was, part of it was being, you know, cut off from nature. It was a big challenge for me. And so those kind of smaller practices were sort of how I found my way back. And that's kind of what I want to offer to everybody. I, I don't feel personally like I have such a handle on the world or on, you know, magic in general, that I can say, this is what a magical practice should be. And this is what everything means. And I don't, don't have that. What I have is here's a path in <laughs> to where, and here's, you can figure out where it leads you from there. Yes, absolutely. I love that kind of like entry point perspective that yeah. like, here's somewhere you can start and then, you know, follow it wherever it leads you. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So tell us a little bit about like what your practice looks like. Like, what have you been doing? We're recording this. It's the full moon. So what have you been doing for the full moon? Oh, the full moon is, this has been a rough one for me. Um, I've been, it's also been really cold out. <laughs> so sometimes I, if I can't sleep in the full moon, which is almost always the case, I'll go outside and, you know, just kind of walk in the moonlight, try not to wake up my family on the way out. Um, haven't really wanted to do that. <laughs> because it's been really cold. Um, so I've been kind of just lying in bed and looking out the, on a clear night, the moon does this thing where um, it lights up the front of my yard, almost like, you know, those old movies when it's supposed to be nighttime, but it's daytime. And you can tell that they just kind of tinted the, <laughs> the film or whatever. As, oh my God. That's what it looks like in my front yard on a full moon. It's wild. But my behind my house is this um, uh, fer, uh, fern and pine forest. Like my house is right up against them. And if I look out my back window, the light just sort of falls in these pools between the trees, like very kind of Princess Mononoke happening back there. And um, so it's a, it's a very surreal time. Um, you can't quite tell what you're looking at in the back with the pools of light and on the front, you're like, that is not what light does. <laughs> and, um, and lately when I've been lying awake, not wanting to get up, I've been feeling, I've been feeling drugged. I haven't been, <laughs> I've just gone to bed. <laughs> interesting time of when sometimes when I can't sleep I try to think about something like work out a story or play out an idea or or something like that um and I haven't been because I guess that drug feeling I haven't been able to concentrate um to do that but sort of other ideas have been coming in that don't feel entirely like they came from me necessarily or where they were under my control um so yes, <laughs> suffice it to say the moon has been kind of a lot. <laughs> and I'm yes. still processing. <laughs> well, and I think that's such a good example of like 
both number one, like how sometimes, you know, the best laid plans, like sometimes we're not here to do our rituals. Sometimes we're just here to like experience, right? Just on the ride. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And how we're really like, I think sometimes the most powerful ritual, whether it's for a moon phase or for a season or for anything else, sometimes it's just like really experiencing it and like really being present with it. I mean, like, what does it feel like for there to be a full moon? You know, I think so often we like really intellectualize all of it. Yeah, Really. It's about the feeling, right? Yeah. So I'm clearly still in process, but I would say that this full moon has been, um, kind of illuminating the things that I guess I haven't really been looking at and I don't completely understand what they are yet because I'm still in process, but that's, that's what a full moon is supposed to do. That's what the moon is supposed to do. So I'm going with it. It's fine. I'll sleep eventually. (laughs) Yes, I know. Sometimes we don't get to pick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that sounds very magical. I know really magical things are going to come out of it. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. So tell us about your most recent books. Cause you have a couple that came out recently, right? Yes. Um, I had an adult book and then a kid's book come out. Um, the adult book was called the witchy homestead. Um, and it's, it's very, very much in that sort of, um, practical. These are the things you can do to make your home a, a sanctuary, essentially. Um, I guess, you know, calling back to my time living in New York, um, we moved back to uh, a town in a small town in Hawaii where I grew up. And that's where I am now. And it's made all the difference in my life (laughs) to be back here and in the life of my daughter and my husband and all of us. So that, that shift is what I wanted to do with that book. Um, And it doesn't have to mean moving it. uh, You know, I was, lucky enough to do that. And I will say to anybody, you can, you can, you know, it doesn't have to be Hawaii, but if there's a, I felt trapped and you don't have to be trapped. You can go wherever you want to go and you can create a witchy homestead in an apartment in New York too. It's completely about the energy that you bring to it. And this is, this is just a reality for me. I don't know if it's because I'm an Enneagram four or a Leo or whatever the names are. I have to make it pretty. (laughs) Yes. Let's make it pretty. pretty. (laughs) It doesn't hurt anything and it makes it better. (laughs) Yes. So a big part of my practice is making sure that there is beauty in all things. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you do that? What are some of your favorite ways? Um, I do a lot of crafting actually. So I, um, I knit a lot. I also spin and there's something about like creating something from nothing that, uh, you know, you take, you start with a sheep. I don't know if you've ever touched sheep's wool, like right off the sheep. It is disgusting. (laughs) It smells bad. It's full of poop and bugs. (laughs) so gross the reality of nature (laughs) (laughs) and sheep are adorable and I love them to death and they have this squishiest little fur but if you're going in there with the poop it's gross um but so you take the the process of it is you you know you wash it and that's the whole thing and and then you 
sort out, you know, what locks are usable and then you comb them, you know, just to get detangle them and get them into something that you can spin. That takes forever. And then you spin it. And from there, and you come to make the yarn and that takes forever. And then you knit it and then you dye it. And so we're talking so much labor. That's the best part of it. <laughs> like, and you know, even if you can create your own dyes from plants that grow nearby, you know, just the, the whole practice of ground up creation. And not everything that we do <laughs> needs to be quite that intense, but I like to make my own food as much as possible, you know, from things that either I've grown, I don't have a very green thumb, sadly, but, you know, maybe things that people have grown nearby <laughs> and, um, and make them from, from start as much as possible. So making your own vanilla extract, that's a tincture. It's not hard. Nothing, nothing is that difficult once you sit down to do it. And I guess, I guess that's what I mean by making things pretty is making, there is something prettier about a jar that has a vanilla bean in it that you've, you know, stashed away in your cupboard as opposed to like the McCormick plastic bottle. Um, it's everyone's definition, I guess, but mine is to have it be as from the ground up as possible. Mm, I love that. I really love that. And, and I love that it's so accessible, right? It's like on the one hand, like, yeah, you can, you know, go out into the countryside and find a piece of land and have sheep <laughs> and all the things, right? We don't all need to do that. <laughs> we don't all need to do that. And I think there's like so many degrees of that, you know, like, yeah. I mean, like I grew up on a farm. We didn't have sheep. We had pigs. Mm. And it's so funny because I live pretty rural, fairly rural. I mean, like close to town, but when you're standing on at our house, it seems like you're in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yeah. And, but it's a completely different experience. You know, we have herbs and tomato plants, but like, we don't have any animals. We didn't, you know, it, it's agriculture in a different way. Like we have fruit trees mm -hmm. that, you know, that's something we never had when I was a kid. Like that's a totally different experience of, you know, nature than I grew up with, even though I grew up very rural. And I think sometimes we feel like we have to do it all, you know? And it's like, we really don't. We just have to find those couple of things that make us feel like really connected where we are, right? Like, yes, because the fruit trees, like we never could have had them where I grew up because it was much too hot. Like we had, it was like a creek bed. Like we had horrible soil, right? Like we couldn't grow that kind of thing. Where I am now, like there's orchards everywhere. It's very agricultural in that sense. And so it's like, now the, the fruit trees make me feel really connected to the seasons versus they wouldn't have even made sense. You know, I, it would have, it was just a totally foreign thing when I was growing up. So it's like, it's also kind of where you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that, that comes down to, you know, so we're talking about how you can do, you can do all of this in the city. Of course, we both live in the country. So the way you can, you can do it in the city is by, considering your bringing the outside in, I think as much as possible. So right now I have no houseplants, but when I lived in, in New York, I had trees practically in my house <laughs> and, um, and I had so many herbs and we grew our own kale and tomatoes just on the porch. Um, and you know, you could do that in a window box. You can do, you can have all of that stuff I don't grow now. 
while I'm living in the country, hilariously. Um, <laughs> because again, it's just about what's important to you where you are and what is accessible and what makes you feel connected in that way. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Cause I think it does. I think we're so impacted by our environment. Yes. And yes. Enormously. It's huge. It's huge. And I think so often I know I've tried to in the past, like create practices that didn't make sense for where I was, you know, where it's like, Oh, I really, I have this like dream, this vision of this thing. Right. And I hear this from people all the time of like, Oh, you know, I, I wish I lived in the country or I wish I, I lived in this kind of house or I wish I had this kind of garden. And it's like, yes, like have the dreams and follow the dreams and make them happen. But also know that like you can create something that feels magical now, wherever you are. Yes. So I have this fantasy. I don't know if you've been following those like shed office, she shed situations that are <laughs> all over Instagram and they're beautiful. And it's kind of, a, you know, a sort of room of one's own kind of fantasy that I really feel. Um, so when we moved, we moved to a very small house and my husband and I both work from home. Um, and I don't have a room of one's own. <laughs> But what I do have is like just so much more space. So it, I could, I could, obviously I could build it, the shed, I could build a room for myself and perhaps I will at some point, but it's about finding what you have and how to make it work for you. Just like what you were saying, like, just, you can, you can create a corner of your bedroom and have an altar there, have, you know, an incense diffuser thing, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel a certain way. And what I mean by that is feel connection, feel connection to magic. And I do think we have to make space for that physical space for that. I agree. I so agree. I think our physical, we sometimes discount our physical environment, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know, it, it's spiritual, right? It, it can be internal and it can, you can. Yeah, have, but I don't feel that spiritual but, surrounded by laundry. I'm yeah, sorry. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know, there's so many little things we can do. Like, so last night, like, okay, I'm going to do my full moon ritual, which for me is like pretty simple. Like mostly I have, I do a little journaling. I pull some cards. Mm -hmm. And so we just got this new chair in our room. It's like this very cozy, like armchair that I'm very excited about. There's been like oh, an empty corner. Delightful. Oh, yeah. it's so great. There's been this <laughs> empty corner waiting to be filled with a chair for like months. And we finally found one. We had to wait okay. for the right chair. We did. We really did. And it was perfect. It was perfect. My boyfriend was at HomeGoods like a couple weeks ago and he like sends me a picture. He's like, I'm bringing this chair home. Yes, <laughs> that's the chair. Correct. So I'm like all curled up in my new chair. And he was why, you know, it, it's our, it, my altar is in our shared bedroom. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, I'll go downstairs or he'll go downstairs or whatever, but we were both up there last night and I'm like, okay, I could be frustrated by the fact that like he's watching TV and he's relaxing in his way. Right. Or I could just put headphones in and I can be over here in my chair with my candles and my journal and listen to some, you know, relaxing, quiet music. And we can both use this space, you know, like yeah. we can both 
get what we need out of it right now. For him, that's like relaxing and watching his show. And for me, that's doing my journaling and pulling my cards. And I oh, think this so, is such an important practice it's so <laughs> important because so often I think I, I very often I will gather my things up and go downstairs to our living room. Right. And that's fine too. Very often I will do that. But for whatever reason, I think it was just, it was cold last night. I didn't yeah. want to go downstairs. You know, I wanted to be in my nice cozy new chair. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to, I can make this work. You know, I don't have to remove myself. I don't have to have the perfect space. I just have to have these couple little things, you know, mostly it was putting in headphones last night that are going to make it feel like I'm, I'm in my own little bubble right here. And I am, you are. And that's, I mean, that is the reality. We look on Instagram and we look on, you know, just the images of what we want to see. And we're talking about the importance of the, of the physical and, and seeing and feeling a certain way. But the reality is that we don't like we're not all out in the woods with a spooky thing and a great outfit all the time. (laughs) And we live with other people who watch TV or my daughter wants to show me this thing on YouTube and I don't want to. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, and granted, like I have to have the caveat, right? Like not everyone practices openly and like, maybe you don't feel comfortable practicing with someone else in the room, but I mean, it can also be so quiet. I mean, Cody is well aware that he's been dating a witch for five years. So, you know, sure, like we're not an issue. <laughs> but, you know, he just, he knows he may not always understand. He may sometimes try to put dishes on the altar, but he's been saying hey that enough time. <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you, that's not your situation, right? If you yes. don't have someone, if, if that's not, if you're living with people who don't know you're a witch, right? Like really all I And you have to create private space. Yes, absolutely. I think private space can be so important too, but also just that, you know, I was just sitting in the corner journaling, like, right. I was, yes, I would do that in the room with your judgmental mom. She won't know. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I think it can be so much simpler to like create those spaces than sometimes we think. And I think those are major obstacles for a lot of people, right? It's like, well, I don't have a space of my own. I don't have a space where I can, you know, shut everyone else out. It's like, well, you can't do an altar because people would ask and that kind of thing. And and that's true, but you know what? You, you actually can. (laughs) Like if you have some shells on your dresser or just some stones that have meaning to you, et cetera, that's an altar. Absolutely. You know, maybe a picture of an ancestress or an image that means something to you. No one's going to be like, oh my God, you're practicing. That's your altar. That's it. You've got it. Yes. It can be so (laughs) simple and so subtle and, and physical space, physical sacred space is so powerful. Even if that's all it is, even if no one else knows what it is or what you're doing, you know, you know, that's all it has to be is it's what this is the whole point we're making in this conversation <laughs> is magic is what it is for you. Yes. hundred percent. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> I think that I, I love your point that like physical space is so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's, you know, we, we see on Instagram, we see on Pinterest, like all of these amazing altars and people who are so talented and create really beautiful things. I really appreciate the work that they do for me and, and that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's so can be so inspiring, but I, we also can't let it hold us back. You know, we have to create sacred spaces that actually are realistic for us and actually fit into our lives. You're still just as much of a witch in a t-shirt and jeans as if you got the whole outfit happening. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I've, I think I've always, that's, that's maybe one of my little things where I've been like, oh, I wish is I've always like had this dream of like, oh, you know, like having like ritual clothes and like I know. The beautiful things you put on, but no, like I mostly <laughs> like my Victoria's Secret nightgown and my little rope. Right. <laughs> I, oh my God. No, I, I look at those and I'm like, what have I done wrong in my life? But that, that is not my life. That should be my life. Why is it not? And my, my sister writes me, she's like, what are you talking about? That is your life. You just don't wear the outfit. <laughs> oh it's so true I know especially like if I get down on myself about my practice like my friends and family are like you're the witchiest person we know like, <laughs> okay you're right that's true right that's true. okay <laughs> so it happens to all of us it does it absolutely <laughs> does and I think it's so important for us to like have these conversations about what did I actually do for the full moon right or what did I actually do yes for that <laughs> I, I mean, people like us, right? Like we're okay, we're out here. We're writing books about witchy things and we're giving presentations and doing all sorts of things. And I think sometimes people think that, you know, we're like out in the woods in we like must the, be like holding hands at night, like wrist to wrist, you know, the the whole practice and chanting and salt circles and like moon bathing. And I would love to. It's cold and it's the middle of the night. <laughs> true so true yeah no my my moon ritual is very often me on it's actually I should clarify I started on the comfy chair and I migrated to the floor I ended up on the floor last night with cards around me well it's hard to do cards on a chair right you just can't and you know that's the reality is sometimes you're on the floor in your bathrobe pulling cards and and I shouldn't even say sometimes most of the time, most of the time <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh yes. We're just going to get real here about what do our practices actually look like? Yes. <laughs> and that is they're They're valid. We're completely valid. Bathrobe is valid. Lying awake in bed as a ritual is valid, but also like if you can and you want to, like, I also don't want to dismiss the like going whole hog and like really leaning in. That's awesome. The times when I have done it, I felt so good. And it's just, it's not, you're not going to do it 12 times a year. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I mean, especially when you like, when you really put in the energy to, to just make a ritual or an experience that's so magical and powerful and aligned and beautiful and like all of the things, right? Like that feels incredible, but that takes a lot of energy too. Yes. And there is a full moon every four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that kind of time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That I think there's, you know, maybe there's like one particular Sabbat festival that you really love, or there's yes, in your same. in your sign, right? Like, right. That feels like, oh, this is a really, really special. Yeah, that I want. I can't even. For. I can't even do all the Sabbats. Honestly, there's a lot of them. Fair enough. I'll acknowledge them. I'll have like a little moment in myself, and maybe like a really small ritual. But we only really like really celebrate one of them um so yeah it's fine. well and I, and that's so valid too right I mean I I'm kind of the same way like I 
usually we'll try to cook something like around the, around the time, you know, mm -hmm. um, something specific. Like I always make hot crust buns at the spring equinox. We yeah. Have, you know, we have lots of, you know, kind of Samhain and Yule festivities that are, you know, of in course. general. Yeah. Um, but, but for the most part, like no one, our roommate, like she and I will kind of practice together, kind of, you know, at least we'll like acknowledge, you know, oh, hey, happy full moon. <laughs> oh, hey, happy, right. happy Samhain. Um, but we don't really practice together in that sense, you know? So there isn't really anyone in my household that's like, oh, hey, you want to like have a feast for this, this holiday? It's, you know? it's a like, lot of feasting. <laughs> it's a lot of feasting. And I'm just like, it's, you know, you don't really think to do it by yourself. So you know, I will sometimes make food and my family will be like, oh, it's a thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. You know what? It's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember my parents one night. So one of the, the holiday, the two sabbats that mean the most to me are Maven and Yule. Um, and I remember my, we were like, we were going to have like a Maven sort of evening, just like the three of us, my husband and my daughter and I, and uh, my husband like your, like your partner just kind of rolls with it. This is what we're doing. Okay. My daughter's all in. Um, <laughs> but so my, my parents who lived down the way, and this wasn't that long after we'd moved back here. So they weren't, they just weren't quite as used to my practice, I guess. Uh, my dad goes, Hey, do you, do you want to come over for dinner tonight? And I said, no, um, but you're welcome to come just so you know, though, we're, we're having a, a you know, a maven celebration. And he's like, I don't know what that is. Do I have to do anything? And I said, you have to give me eat food and not make fun of anything that I say. And he's like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I usually for Lamas, for whatever reason, mm. just a mm -hmm. favorite. And, and I think they're so random. The ones that we just, they are like. the ones that we're attracted to. It just happens. Yeah. And so every year, like I will always make food. I'll make cornbread and herb butter and, mm. and he loves the herb butter. And it's so funny because like, he'll like be like, Oh, like it's that, it's that thing. It's that holiday. It's that season where you make awesome. that stuff, you know, butter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's getting all this good stuff out of it. He doesn't know what it is. It's so true. It's so true. Yes. Very, very true. Oh my gosh. I love it. Cause it, the reality is like we share our lives with other people and, yes. and, and I do, I mean, I so encourage people to, you know, work towards being open about their practice. If it's something that you feel, I, I it found depends on the person, right? It like so depends. I have family members where they're not going to be okay, but they're not okay. I'm, I'm out. I write books that have witch in them. So, <laughs> so do you like, there's no real hiding it at a certain point, but we all agree not to talk about it. Yes. It, it's such a tricky thing because I really found I'm so lucky in that my family is really not especially religious at all. Um, further back, there's a lot, very, very far back, <laughs> lots of mm -hmm. Catholic. Um, but my immediate family really left the church many years ago. And mm -hmm. so granted, I did not come out until after my great grandmother had passed. And I don't know how okay she would have been, been with it, but she was also very open-minded for a Catholic. Um, she was a <laughs> Gemini sun, Aquarius moon. So I'll give that. Um, but so, so I don't know. I don't, I have no idea what her reaction would have been, but otherwise I, I was very nervous about coming out and very, oh, yeah. very shy about it. I kept it to myself for a, a 
insanely long time, realistically, <laughs> given my work and what I was really already doing. Um, but when my first book was coming out, it was like, well, this is it. You kind of have to yeah, come that, out. Yeah. Because... Yeah. And when I did, I was so just like, why was this a big deal? Like I made it a big deal. You know, nobody, nobody really cared. And at, at best they were like kind of curious, you know, like, oh, what does that mean? You know, what, what is that? And when it turns out that it doesn't mean slaughtering lambs or orgies or whatever, <laughs> whatever people have conjured up in their minds. Right. When it turns out that it just means making herb butter. <laughs> like, exactly. And doing some journaling and like, it's really okay. <laughs> it really, really is. It's so true. And, and I, you obviously have to trust your intuition about like when the right time to share yes. that is and what words you want to use to describe it and, and all of that. But I definitely, at least like with the people in your household, right. The people you share your space with, like if you can, if you can, otherwise you're not safe in your household, you're not yourself in your household. And that is, that's just the worst thing. You have to have a safe space in your, in your own home. Absolutely. And people don't have to understand it. You know, it can just be like, this is my space for myself and you can use whatever word you want to to describe it. But if you can feel whatever degree of safety in your own home and your own space, like that contributes so much to it being a sacred space. And they don't, they really like the people in your, in your life, in your home, or, you know, your immediate family, or just the people that are important to you and really part of it, they don't have to fully get it for you to be okay. I promise you, it's really, they, they, as long as they love you and are like, that's a thing you're doing, that's fine. It doesn't feel that different from like, my dad plays tennis. I don't care about tennis at all. Okay. (laughs) such a good analogy. It's so true that, you know, for us, it's something that is so deeply personal and so spiritual and feels like this huge thing and is for us. Yes. But that doesn't mean that other people see it that way. You know, they, they might, you know, it might take some, some training to be like, no, this is something that's really important. It is important to me. No, you don't actually get to, to mock this right now. And you can set that boundary. And that's a very important boundary to set because you don't want to feel bad about yourself or anything like that. But with these people, you should be able to set these boundaries. Um, and then once you've done that, they, they can be respectful and loving and not like also practice, right? We don't, we don't need them to also practice. I think, I think that's setting the bar too high, but just respect and love. That's all. Yes. And I think that's such a like perfect standard to expect from the people that you you surround yourself with and you care about, you know, is you expect them to love you and you expect them to respect you, even if they don't understand Mm -hmm. something about you, you know? And I mean, really right there, that can be a good standard. Sometimes we have friends or, or partners or people in our lives that we're afraid to come out to. And sometimes it's because we know they don't actually respect us. Yes. I definitely had that experience. I had an old boyfriend who I never was open with and I knew was, was very openly. I mean, he was just, he was very set in his own beliefs. You know, he was very factual and scientific and, and this and that. And I had a lot of respect for that. I really loved a lot of that about him, but I shouldn't say loved. I liked that about him. But very pro-science around here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but 
I, I knew that it wasn't safe to share that with him, you know, and after we broke up, I realized like, what was I doing? Like I was with someone who I knew didn't respect like my perspective and my, my way of being. And then when Cody and I got together, I just right from the beginning, I was like, this is who I am and I'm just going to be open. And he has always been so supportive. And it really highlighted that for me, you know, to have both of those experiences to be like, there are people who don't necessarily understand, but, you know, are there to love and uplift you. And there are people who don't understand and therefore don't respect it. Yes. And, you know, when it comes to certain people in your life that you don't get to choose, like, you know, your, your parents or your siblings or whatever, that can, that can be really hard. Yes. Um, and you know, for that, I would say like, you should read Tanisha's book <laughs> for some self-care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, you know, we can't always get what we need from the people in our lives and the people that we love and they can love us and not respect us in, in certain areas. And that's feels terrible. Um, and we've all been there. Yeah. But when it comes to the people that you can choose, choose the ones who love and respect Definitely. I think that both are important. <laughs> so much. Yes. And, and I mean, de- yes, as so much. <laughs> I not agree more. Absolutely. I mean, I think that we all have to kind of navigate that whole experience of what do I share with people and, you know, do I, am I a fully out witch and I just own it? And does that feel great or not? And why? And, you know, it's something we really have to unpack for ourselves. But I also think that so much of the fear that we have around sharing it either comes from, I know that this person you know, we think it's, oh, this person's not going to react well when really deep down, we know it's this person doesn't respect me or my beliefs. Why would they not react well? Exactly. Exactly. And unpack it. And and if it's someone that you can't choose, you know, then, you know, either find ways like having a very simple altar that no one has to know what it is, or, you know, just, I think so much of it is about acceptance, right? Like, like I accept me, even though this person doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you are not, we are all more than our practice and there, you know, it's it's a big part of us. It's a big part of how we live and how we want to be in the world, but we all present different faces to different people. And if you have a relationship where this part of you is not, uh, it's not conducive to the relationship, let's say, (laughs) um, you can kind of just not like just angle your body, angle your, your person, um, in a certain way so that that facet of you is protected from their judgment. Yes. Oh, I think that's such good advice, right? That like when we find ourselves in those situations where you really have no choice, yeah, there are always ways to protect yourself. And there are always ways to, to make sure that you get to have the, the spirituality and the practice and the experience that is so important to you without it being kind of clouded by that fear you know and because I feel like sometimes I mean I know I used to do this when when I would sense someone's judgment I would kind of lean into it I would go well here it is and just like this is what it is and it's in your face and like I don't frankly they deserve that that's fine like they're being judgmental and but the the reality is it wasn't serving me (laughs) it was just making me feel bad because I was just sort of 
ramming myself up against their judgment over and over and over. And why? They didn't deserve, they, they, they weren't like, they weren't worthy of that from me for, for me to just like continually go here, punch me. <laughs> Instead, I can hang out with them and spend time with them and have, you know, meaningful relationships with them that aren't about this particular aspect of me. Cause I can, I can protect myself that that's me protecting myself rather than me, like trying to change somebody else's opinion. Cause that's hardly ever going to happen. So true. Mm, so good. I hope this is really helpful for people. Cause I, I know, know like, <laughs> like trying to figure out how to come out or who to come out to, or how to be open about your practice can be, I know for me, it, it was such, I mean, clouded is just the best way I th- can think to put it. Like it clouded my practice for so yeah. long. Yeah. And it does, it makes you feel bad. Even like, even if somebody's not being mean about it, you just sense their feelings on it. And that just as we're talking about needing like things to be pretty in your physical space, you kind of need your energy to be pretty and not clouded by somebody else's take on it. Even, even as we try to be like, no, this is my like energetic boundary. You can't come in. It does. (laughs) It always seeps in somehow. There's only so much we can do and just trying to limit your exposure in that way. Absolutely. Oh, so good. This isn't such a good conversation. I love <laughs> it. Like physical and energetic sacred space. Yes. <laughs> Both are important. So important. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this has been so awesome. Tell us where people can find you. Oh, so um, I am, as you can tell, scrolling on Instagram all the time um, at Mickey Vandicar. And uh, my website is NikkiVandicar.com. Well, that's easy enough. We'll link those um, in this episode. And this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. This was such a great chat. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. And we'll see you next time. As always, thanks for listening to the Empowered Modern Witches Show. I'm Tanae Stewart, the Witch of Lupin Hollow, and it's my pleasure to be your host. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Much love from Lupin Hollow.